LinkedIn presents. Welcome to the Edge of Work podcast. I'm your host, Al D. This is a podcast for leaders who want to make sense of workplace trends and are looking for new ideas about how to lead people and grow their business in a changing world of work. During each episode, I'll bring you the latest experts, researchers, founders, and leaders to share new and unique ideas, as well as actionable advice around attracting and retaining talent, developing people, and building healthy and sustainable organizations. Welcome to the Edge of Work podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the Edge of Work podcast. And today, I'm going to give you a brief update on what's going on with the Edge of Work podcast. I haven't really had the chance to do a solo episode in a while, so I figured it would be good to check in and share what a little bit of what I'm up to, recap some of the themes from season two so far, and then talk about and get you ready for what I'm thinking about for season three. As a reminder, The Edge of Work is a podcast to inspire leaders to think differently about the world of work and how they lead and manage in today's world of work. And over the next couple weeks and over the next couple episodes, we're really going to start to hone in a little bit more on this idea of really being able to think differently in today's world of work. I've been doing some thinking and reflecting on the show and what I intended it to be and what it's morphed and evolved into. And I want to share a little bit about my thoughts on that. And hopefully that resonates with you and that it will encourage you to continue to listen along. And certainly please feel free to email me to let me know if it resonates or if it's not, or if you have suggestions for ideas. But before I do that, I want to give a brief update about some exciting news with the Edge of Work podcast, which some of you may have seen. If you're listening to this episode, you might have heard in the beginning when this episode started, a little nice notification from our friends at LinkedIn. And that is because I have been accepted into the LinkedIn Podcast Academy and the Edge of Work podcast is now an inaugural member of the LinkedIn Podcast Academy. And what that really means is that over the next six to eight months, LinkedIn has provided me with a ton of resources and invested in my podcast to help me grow the podcast and really get the podcast out there to their 900 million members on the LinkedIn platform. This is exciting for a lot of reasons. First and foremost, it's my chance to get this episode in front of more people, and particularly more people who are excited about new ideas and inspiration for creating better workplaces. And I think there's a high likelihood and degree that I'm going to find some of those people on LinkedIn. And that some of those people who would be interested in hearing that are coming from LinkedIn. Because being a part of the LinkedIn Podcast Academy, I get a couple of things. Number one, I get weekly sessions and coaching and guidance around how to grow the podcast, how to improve as a podcaster, how to think about structuring my podcast in new ways. I also get the chance to try out new tools that LinkedIn is providing. So as an example, one of the things that I have just started, and I'll link it in the show notes, is a newsletter that accompanies this podcast. I put out this newsletter on LinkedIn, which you can subscribe to. It's in the show notes. But I put out this newsletter that highlights some of the learnings I've gotten in depth from doing these episodes, as well as providing some more examples of people on LinkedIn who I think are starting conversations on the topic that is in that episode. And so if you're looking for people to follow on LinkedIn who might complement some of the episodes I do really well, make sure to check out that newsletter. And then certainly a third element of it is I get a chance to connect with some other amazing podcasters, and to learn from them and learn with them. There's about 18 of us in the Podcast Academy, including a number of other workplace and leadership podcast hosts. And I'm going to link a few of my favorites in the show notes. Make sure to check out some of those podcasts, because I think you, if you like this one, you're going to like those. So the last and final thing is that there is definitely 
an appetite for LinkedIn and their team to really help us level up our skills so that we can become better podcasters and thus grow the podcast and help the podcast reach more listeners on LinkedIn. So with that, I'm also going to be trying out a few things with this podcast, including live podcasts, some live podcasts on LinkedIn, starting some discussions on LinkedIn around some of the things that we're talking about in this podcast. And so my call to action to you is that if that sounds interesting to you, make sure to follow me on LinkedIn or connect with me on LinkedIn and make sure to subscribe to the newsletter where you're going to be able to get to see some of what we're up to. Okay, so that's one of the latest things and the updates for the Edgework podcast when it comes to the LinkedIn Podcast Academy. What I want to do now is I want to talk a little bit more about honing in on the focus of the show. I've been thinking a lot about this and reflecting on a lot about this because The Edge of Work is now in its second season and we've done about 30 episodes, give or take. And while the general ethos of the podcast remains the same of when it started, I've started to focus in a little bit more just around what this podcast is about and what it's really meant to do. And in our world, we tend to call this idea the premise. And I wanted to share my own thinking and thoughts on what the premise of this podcast is because... A, it helps me crystallize and vocalize this in a way that helps drive the strategy and direction of the show. But what it also does, hopefully, is to give you some thoughts about if that resonates with you. And certainly, I would love to hear your feedback on it. And I think the, as I think about what the premise is, what I think about a lot is this idea of how the world of work has significantly changed over the past few decades. But the way that we're preparing leaders and managers to navigate this world of work to lead, to build companies, to develop their people, has really remained the same. And it really caused me to wonder, why are we using outdated models and frameworks? Why are we using outdated mental models that really make leaders use tactics of yesteryear to try to lead in the future? And I'm often reminded from Albert Einstein, when I can't think about the premise, when he once said, you cannot use an old map to explore a new world. And I fundamentally believe that we are in a new world of work. And so what I want the Edge of Work podcast to do is to explore ideas to lead in this new world of work so that companies can build workplaces that unleash the potential of their most important stakeholder, and that's their employees. And I guess one way to really think about this and hopefully make it hit home a little bit is if we think about our personal lives, we expect the latest technology in our cars, which has the safest engineering, best-in-class environmental regulations, and all the new technology bells and whistles. But somehow in the workplace, we tolerate leadership and management practices that are a different model from a different area. Why is that? What I want to do in the edge of work is to explore and find people out there who are bringing forth new ideas, new frameworks, new ways of thinking about leadership and management that get us to that updated model of car, right? That are fit for purpose for today's world of work that are focused on leading and building companies in times of change and complexity, and that really put humans first. So that's really what this podcast is going to be about moving forward. It really is meant to be for leaders and to really inspire leaders, and particularly those also who are in charge of cultivating leaders and developing leaders to hopefully think differently to create a better world of work. So that's a little what the premise is and what I think I'm honing in on. And if that resonates with you, I hope it does. But send me a note. Let me know what you th- Hey there, it's Al. And thanks for listening to the Edge of Work podcast. I wanted to take a quick break to ask you a small favor. I'm loving doing this show and I hope you're enjoying it. And that's where I'd love your help. 
If you're enjoying this episode, I would really appreciate if you take a few minutes to leave a review and rate this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or simply just share it on social media or with your friends. I'm incredibly grateful for your support. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. Think. Okay, so now I want to highlight a couple key themes that are coming up in season two because they have happened over and over again, and I think they're worth noting just to, to recap. And the first theme that has come up time and time again is this idea around making career development a strategic priority within your organization. I think that career development has been one of those things that many companies have talked about and said, yes, that's important. We do it. We do it well. And the reality of it is that's not true. Much of the research we've seen from McKinsey and some of these other places shows that one of the reasons why people leave is because of the lack of career development opportunities inside their organization. It's also the same reason why people do join other companies is because that's what they want. Now, if it were just as easy as saying, we're going to implement career development in an organization, it's really not. And that's definitely true from what we've heard from some of the guests from the show from the season. If we think about some of the leaders who are really doing interesting stuff in the space, I think about leaders like Melanie Naranjo, who is the VP of People at Athena, who really worked with her people team to make career development a strategic priority inside of their organization and really focusing on A, aligning around a definition with key stakeholders, B, quickly and iteratively rolling out pieces, getting feedback of that career development strategy versus doing a big bang, and then C, measuring and monitoring over time. That work is, it takes intentional effort and alignment across the organization. It's not necessarily something that just a career development team could do on their own. I'm also drawn and reflecting on this idea from Ryan McRae, who is the head of leadership development and learning at Ameren, who talked about figuring out what your career development philosophy is at your organization. For some organizations, that is going to be something that really is focused on internal mobility and allowing people to move relatively quickly and easily inside of companies and giving people rotations. Other places, it might be for more focused on upscaling and really making sure people have the right skills and providing the tools and skills for them to do that. A company I think that does that, or as an example, one who's done that is AT&T in terms of the money that they've invested in terms of providing their people with the right skills and resources to learn to develop new skills. But regardless of what it is, it takes time at a leadership level to define what that philosophy is. And then you can use that to articulate it through the programs, the policies, and the processes inside of your organization. And it will look different company to company, but you really have to make sure that you actually define what it is up front. I think the third example where I've seen this really come to life is some of the insights that Larry McAllister really shared with us, the former VP of Talent Enablement at NetApp, when he talked about how he really had to lead a talent transformation at NetApp by putting people and really human potential and human talent at the center of that transformation. And once he was able to really align his organization around the belief in human potential in terms of growth mindset, in terms of helping people develop and grow, after that, he was then able to align a number of programs and policies and processes that supported it, such as being able to roll out for all of his employees in terms of being able to roll out a internal mobility platform that helped people see the skills that they had in terms of being able to roll out mental health and well-being resources. And so in that case, it was really that philosophy at the heart of it of people and people enablement was really the heart of their strategy. And so those are a couple examples of how 
I think strategic or career development has become a strategic priority and how to make career development a strategic priority if you want it to succeed in your organization. But that's definitely a theme that has come top of mind. I think the second thing is this idea of developing new words, language, and models for a modern world of work. And we've seen this come through in a number of different episodes. We've seen it with our conversation with Steve Cadigan, the former CHRO at LinkedIn and the author of the book Workquake, who really wants us to think differently about how we think about traditional words and phrases that we've always used in the world of work, of how we've thought about retention, of how we thought about the fact that it's wrong for employees to leave jobs so quickly in terms of how we even think about words like employee engagement. And Steve really made a really good case just about how um, if we're not going to update our thinking and our mindset around these new wor- around developing new words or new definitions of the world of work, how we're going to get left behind. And he also gave us some really good examples of how individuals and leaders who have adopted their thinking about how they see these topics or how they define these topics like retention and talent development have started to reap the benefits of them. His example about college basketball in the United States is a really incredible one. You want to make sure you want to listen to the conversation so you know exactly what he's talking about. But another example comes from our interview with Christina Wallace, who is the author of the book, The Portfolio Life. Christina's book and this idea of a portfolio life is also a new framework, a new language which is helpful to give in that it gives people ideas as well as permission to think differently about how they grow their career in today's world of work. Instead of relying on your career as a traditional either linear path or putting all of your eggs in one basket in terms of the career focus, what Christina is advocating for is within the context of your life, thinking about your career and your interests almost like a portfolio and using what we know from financial theory, as well as diversification theory, it's this idea of using a portfolio of bets, right? Just like a stock portfolio, you're going to place a few bets. Some of them might work, some of them may not. And you can also rebalance those over time. And you can use the same approach for your career in terms of if you know you want to invest time and energy into a particular aspect of your career, you can either choose to spread that out over different parts of your life. Or you could also choose to find it in different aspects of your life. And you can choose to change that over time. And I think these ideas like the portfolio life are really powerful and really important because for so long, even though we all have diverse views of how we see ourselves and how we see our growth, we've had limited views of how we can pursue that in terms of the traditional quote-unquote career ladder or other traditional views of how someone should grow their career. And I think what's important about what people like Steve and Christina are doing is that they're giving us language. And by the chance of giving us language, they're also giving us permission to think differently about how we think about work in different aspects of it. And then perhaps the last theme that I'll talk about is this idea around workplace culture and even perhaps the importance of workplace culture. And I heard this come up a lot, particularly from my interview with Jennifer Reimert, who's the SVP of consulting at WorkHuman, an employee recognition platform. Jennifer had some really good data points of just the power and the importance of investing in your company culture in a way that fuels both employee engagement as well as productivity. And so those are some of the themes that come up for this season. 
Okay, last but not least, I want to talk about what I'm thinking for in terms of upcoming themes for season three, which is right around the corner. The first theme that we're going to tackle in season three is all about generations in the workplace. Now, this is a really hot topic, and this is also a topic that I think is actually fit for podcasting. So many of the articles on generations and generational differences and generational similarities, they lack nuance. And the great thing about audio is that you can have a dialogue and discussion on this. And so I have a couple episodes coming up really around some of those generational differences. And then we're really going to make a point of getting to the nuance and the depth in these to really understand so that leaders can make better decisions when it comes to the generations in the workplace. And to kick this off, I'm going to put this link in the show notes, but there was recently a McKinsey Gen Z study, and what they really found was that across all age groups, employees tend to leave and start new jobs for similar reasons. And I think this is one of those funny things where sometimes we see that generations have more in common than they do that are different. And there certainly are different aspects of that. There certainly are differences, particularly because we grow up in different periods of time. But it's just one of those reminders that as much as we have to work to understand people who are different than us, there are also still a lot of similarities. But we're going to explore generational differences and what they mean in terms of things like training and learning and developing the next generation of leaders when we cover season three. The second theme for season three is around managers, around what we need for managers, defining what a good manager is, and thinking about how do we train the next generation of first-time managers in the workplace. There is a recent research study from 15.5, the employee engagement platform, that found only about 37% of employees are impressed by their manager's leadership abilities, and about a third of them believe that their managers need additional training. And additionally, According to 15.5's research, only about 52% of employees reported having conversations about their career development with their managers. Now, as we said before, career development is a critical thing that employees look for and is one of the reasons why people leave. And then the final data point that I add, and I saw this the other day, so I can't link to it, but I will try to find the link. But on average, it takes about 12 years for an employee to get their first experience in terms of actually getting manager or leadership training. I think these are all three data points and reasons why this manager topic is so important. And I have a really great slate of guests coming on to talk about all the different nuances and aspects of what we need from our managers, about how to redefine the next level of managers, and what good management looks like in today's world of work. And the last but not least, we're going to talk about the employee experience and then specifically focused on onboarding and really training and welcoming new employees into the workplace. This is a topic that I see a lot in my day-to-day work as a leadership development facilitator. This is really challenging in terms of how do we do onboarding right, particularly for those who have never had the experience of working in the workplace before. So I have a couple guests on, a couple experts on who have some great ideas for how to fix onboarding and to do it in a way that really helps unleash the potential of people who are entering the workplace for the first time or perhaps entering your company for the first time. And so there's a lot that's going. we're going to unpack in that one. So that wraps up this episode. I hope you got a chance to get a good rundown of what I've been up to and what's up next. Again, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to shoot me an email. I'll put my email in the show notes and feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. But thanks for listening to the Edge Work podcast. And I'm really looking forward to closing out season two and then starting up season three relatively soon. Hi, everyone. Al D here. Thank you so much for listening to the Edge of Work podcast. If you like what you heard, I encourage you to share the episode with a friend, as well as to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review and let us know what you think. I would be forever grateful if you did that. I would also love to hear directly from you about what episodes you're listening to or any suggestions you have for how we can make it better. You can find me on LinkedIn.